Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and with me, as always, Mr. David Hudson. David, how are you doing, sir? And I was on time today, Ian Rice. Let's not bring that up. Okay. You know, we had a whole pre-show discussion about this. You, you know, I, I can't, I, I have antiquated technology. It seems. Uh, did you, did you have to print the zoom invite out on a dot matrix printer? I did. No, I, I and then I, I, <laughs> I put, I copied it on a mimeograph machine. <laughs> well, you, I mean, let's tell her for real, you were busy trying to get your top score on Frogger. Yeah. yeah. That's about my, video game level by the way <laughs> i can't the, the I, I don't know if you if you're a video game person i, I i've never heard you mention it before but i'm not i can't even coordinate myself to get those together it's way too complicated now yeah it's way too realistic at any rate joining us and this is unusual but because uh, usually we do our intros a little separate from the main part of the episode but this week, our guest is going to be here right from the beginning. One of our newest buddies, Mr. Jason Donces. Jason, how are you, sir? I'm great, Ian. David, thanks, guys, for having me. Thanks for making me wait forever for you to get the technology figured out. Appreciate That's it. Right. Yeah. Hey, it's uh, at least he's already one know. of the gang. I know. Jeez. I love it. <laughs> should, I, should I go? And I, you know. <laughs> Jason uh, is one of our uh, patrons on Patreon. As a matter of fact, he was either like one of he was one of the first ones to sign up. And uh, yeah, I happen to be one of the lucky few that was awake at like one <laughs> o'clock in the morning when the thing went live. So uh, what we're going to do is, uh, I don't know, every other month or so, randomly pick somebody that joins us on Patreon to be a guest host. And then we're going to randomly pick people to be on our bonus episodes out of there. And uh this week we started a new tradition where it's uh what are we calling it Ian Patreon Radio? That's right. So Ian did an episode of Hookah Brown songs, and I did an episode of some bands that were important to me in college, and then we've got some more ideas for that. Yeah, I, I I'm just kind of having fun with those. I know you are too, and eventually we'll do some together and do some with neither of us, and let some of the uh, patrons have a go at it. You know what I mean? We've sent out a bunch of swag this past week, shirts to some people we gave away on Twitter. Ian is sending the Patreon stickers out soon. We've sent some people some vinyl. Uh, Brian Rosenberg got the uh, Buffalo Junior vinyl, and he sent a nice note to Rick Stout how much he was enjoying it. According to Rick, it's doing really well. Uh, We really enjoyed having him on, and that's a good album. So go find them uh, on Spotify or uh, CD Baby, and you can, can buy the CD. Let's see. Uh, it's it's actually available on Amazon too. Okay, March the 11th in Nashville. Trigger Hippie at 30 Lindsley. I'm going. Ian's going. Jason here's going. And from what I know, I think there's about 12 more of us so far that are coming. Jason, you is that your first time to Nashville? It's not my first time to Nashville, but it's my first time seeing a show in Nashville. 
So I am, I'm very excited about it. Bringing my brother down, Travis, and uh, looking forward to Trigger Hippie hasn't um, come near me to tour. So this is a good uh, opportunity to go see those guys. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be the kind of the uh, state of America, Nashville road trip we're kind of putting together, right, David? Yeah, it's going to be fun. So we're all staying at the Fairfield Inn in the Gulch District. If you want to come and hang out with all of us and go to the show and go out on the town Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, or, or whenever you can come in, just uh, send us a message on Twitter or Instagram or uh, Facebook, or you can send us an email at stateofamorica at gmail.com. And um, it's going to be fun. So um, if you want to join us, come. We're going to have a good time. If you want to join us on Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash state of America. And if, and, and if I could just advocate on behalf of the Patreon community, listen, you got to sign up. All, all those things you wish you could talk about, the things you could listen to, the things you could talk with other Crows fans about. These guys, I mean, you've had this thing up for like, what, a week or two? I mean, not even that. Yeah. We've had Zoom hangs. The, the Patreon radio is just money. The content is far beyond worth the 10 bucks. Sign up. Join our group. It's awesome. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, we appreciate that. <laughs> yes, and if you come down and see us in Nashville and you stop by the hotel, it's going to look like that, look like that scene out of uh, Almost Famous where they're, they're in the riot house. It's going to be uh, just, you know, 70s style debauchery happening. Right, David? Well, and I will tell you that Johnny Colt is going to do a Zoom hang with us on Patreon. It's for sure going to happen. I just got to get with him and get the date. And uh, he has a Patreon too. So uh, follow him on Patreon. And David, speaking of Johnny Colt, you did uh, have a little excursion with Mr. Johnny Colt this past week. Yeah. He called me last Saturday night and he's like, Hey, how far are you from New Orleans? I said, uh, two and a half, depending on where in New Orleans, two and a half hours. And he said, I'm coming for a couple of days. Any chance you can get off work and let's go to lunch. And I said, yeah, I can make that happen. So I met him down there. We had about a two hour lunch. He's just uh he's a genuine, he's a genuine, nice person. Honestly, we didn't even talk about, I, I think the black crow's name came up twice just in passing. We, we just talked about life. I mean, I'm, I'm proud to say Johnny's become a friend. He's a, he's a smart guy. He's a fun guy. We just had a, uh, had a nice lunch and talk and um, he's going to come on the Patreon zoom hang with us. And like I told other people, uh, we're not going to do have guests on Patreon, like Johnny Colt that we haven't had on the big podcast. So it's not going to, we're not going to take away. Like if uh, by some by some miracle, Rich Robinson wanted to come on, we're not going to have him on zoom. It's going to be on the uh, regular podcast, but yeah, Johnny, uh, it, it was nice to meet him. Uh, the pictures up on social media. I saw where uh, Mike Dawson from Adam Carolla podcast retweeted it, uh, which was cool uh, for him to do. Um, I do want to say though, that on February the 26th, We'll get you the time soon. We're going to do a live podcast that is going to stream over Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Seth Miller of the Americans is going to produce it and run it. You guys will be able to interact with us. You guys will actually be able to participate in the podcast. We're going to um, take one track off each album that we don't like and replace it with a B-side. And then we're going to let the listeners vote and chime in. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. That's something that we came up with a couple of months back and we've just been slowly putting together the logistics of getting it done. And, and here we are. It's about to happen. A first for the state of America podcast, something live. But uh, so before we get to the topic at hand, 
Jason, I wanted to just uh, touch base with you a little bit, get your kind of background with the Crows, where you started, at what point, and uh, how far you've traveled, so to speak. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so the reality is I, I started with the Crows, but the first time I really dove in to the Crows was 96. I, my middle school, high school days, all that sort of thing, I, I was a hip-hop guy. I loved rap music, uh, and mostly the reality was the reason why I loved it is because when the whole thing with the stickers came out, parental advisory, and people couldn't buy it if you weren't 18, my mom would keep buying it for me. So, uh, you know, I 1992, the famous year that Southern Harmony came out, you know, the record that I had that everybody wanted to hear was Ice Cube, The Predator, and my mom would buy it for me. And so I really was into those sort of uh, hip hop records. And then um, 96, when I, gra- I graduated high school, so I got a job right before I left for college and the manager of the restaurant I worked at was a big grunge guy. And that was the first time I really started to hear like sort of 90s rock and grunge and everything. And I was aware of the Black Crows. I knew hard to handle. I'd heard that on the radio, stuff like that. But it wasn't it didn't really grab me. So I got to college and um, I didn't know anybody there. And long story short, my my childhood wasn't the greatest. And I was pretty excited to get the heck out of there and get to college. And uh, when, when I got you know, I didn't know anybody and people were talking, oh, what do you like? What are you into? And I told them, you know, I, I like rap music. I like Beastie Boys. I like Cypress Hill. And uh, this person I met, it said, you know, um, Eric Bobo, who was very instrumental, is one of the founding backbones of Cypress Hill and the Beastie Boys. He, he did a project with this rock band called the Black Crows. I was like, really? That sounds kind of interesting and so i said you know let me check that out and that was the day that in my hand was placed amorica so we took that back to the room we threw that in the first track comes on and it's you know you get this this nice percussion going a little groove going and then it kicks into gone and the combination of the groove of that song the anticipation to get the heck out of my house and off to college and it was like, you know, when he's like, gone, good riddance, I'm gone. And I just fell in love, like right there. And to this day, Amorica is my favorite record. Uh, and a lot of it is, yes, I love the songs, but it's also that nostalgia of like, that was the first record. I went to a show in Detroit, I believe it was at the Fox Theater in October of 96 and saw the classical lineup uh, play there. And it was almost... I'd say it was like 85% Amorica Three Snakes songs. Uh, No Thorn in My Pride, no My Morning Song. They played Wiser Time, but no ballad. I was still actually quite unaware of those songs at all. But I loved the show because it was Amorica and it was Three Snakes. And that's what I knew. You know, as the years went by, I tried to go to every show I could as they came near. Uh, Gleason had just posted How About That Pine Knob Show in 97. It's unfortunate I didn't see that one. But then I caught up with them again in 98. And so in 98, which is interesting for the topic of the day, 98, they played in Detroit, St. Andrews Hall. They played the Orbit Room. And these are small clubs. These are like a couple thousand at most, maybe a thousand, fifteen hundred. And they rocked, man. And I saw that classic lineup, that first show. And then I saw 
them in 98 and then on and into 99 and just the 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 energy the way they brought it it was the first time i had ever seen my morning song they played thorn in my pride and i didn't know what i was missing at the time but i fell in love with them you know that tour of 98 and those small shows oh my goodness they were just so good i fell in love with those guys 98 through like 2001 and and that's when i was just like this band is better than anything i've ever seen well i think the uh the 98 through 2001 period is a very underrated period i i understand why it kind of puts some people off because if they were traveling on the trajectory that was 96 97 it was a kind of a, a, a 180 from that i mean i i agree with what you said in terms of the the energy i didn't see a show myself but yeah, you could really tell that the uh, the energy level was way up. And, and these were small, you know, in 98, you know, for for those that I, I don't know what to compare it to, but like like St. Andrews in Detroit, this is a small club. This is a club you like you walk in the door and you're 100 feet from the stage, you know, like you're you're on the floor front stage and the stage is small. So like even when you're at the show up against the rail, I mean, those guys are 10 feet away from and just bring in everything you would want, you know, and I know David, you've talked about, you know, when you see like the high in Houston show back in 93, when he's just like the epitome of a front man. And when I, when I saw those shows in 98, that he was all of that full energy. Now he comes out with a top hat and a big feather and a weird white suit and all that sort of stuff, but like full energy all in, just given everything he's got the dude's drenched in sweat by the fourth song and just all in and i i loved it i loved it and i know that you know people are are reminiscent of the classic lineup i did see it i understand the powerful i was there in 0506 saw a ton of shows in but i but there was some that band was so different than anybody else even in 98 99 that it was just awesome it's hard. It's hard to have the opinion that you prefer a different era from the the classic era, you know, the Mark Ford era, if you will. But you know, there's things to enjoy from every era. I feel, and there's always there's always high points and low points. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't let anybody else tell you what to like. That's the way I am. Now, when I got to go, you know, and it's probably for many of us when when we got to see 0506, you know, with Mark back in the band. You saw what he got to do with a lot of those songs. I mean, that's when it opened. And for me, you know, when they went on hiatus after the 01 tour, that's when I I was out of college. Now I had a little bit of extra discretionary funds. I got the DVD burner, internet, you know, message boards were active. So that's when you get big into the BMP. And so, you know, I have a ton, I have spindles of, you know, DVD A's that I've, you know, burned from people. So that's when I was able to kind of catch up with what did I miss, you know? And then that, that got me ready for when they came back in 05. So that, that was pretty, it, it ended up being a pretty perfect time to get on board, in my opinion. Yeah, I would have to agree. But that sort of brings us to the topic at hand today. What we decided to do was craft from the two studio albums from the 98 to 2001 period, craft the perfect oddly era album now with the caveat we know he didn't play on by your side but he toured it so that's that's how that's why we're going to call it this 
Yeah, uh, for someone that uh, kind of played sparsely on these albums, but yeah, it is that you know the Black Crows eras tend to be labeled by their guitar player. So the '98 to 2001 era would be the oddly freed era. So let's honor him by picking the the ultimate album. Uh, the criteria, David, if you want to run that down, ten songs. And then we're going to release a Japanese import with a bonus song. And the bonus song has to be an unreleased track or a B-side. Now, we did take sequencing into account. So each person will have their reasons for that. All right, Jason, you're our guest. We're going to put the vinyl down. We're going to put the needle on. We're going to put the cover over it. We're going to crank it up. What's the first thing we hear? Well, it can't be anything different, fellas, than Midnight from the Inside Out. It's got to be the way you open the track. The false start at the beginning, I love that they kept it in there. It gives an authenticity to the to the music. You can hear even like the echoes of the of the studio in there. The heaviness of it, the riff that that Rich has got in there, it lacks a little bit in its substance in terms of complexity of a lot of other songs that the Crows have put out, and I get that. But if you're coming out of the gate from this era. When I saw them on that 01 tour, so the first time I saw them was in Memphis. This record was not out yet, and that's what they opened with in Memphis in May. And it just comes out and kicks you right in the face. I would uh, I would uh, say that that is a very fine pick. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, before we even get to my list, that's my opening song as well. Yeah, um, me too. The, the, all right, so we have consensus number one. The False Start, um, if I remember correctly, Jeff Morton asked Steve about that on his podcast because I got him to ask him that, and that was not a mistake, if I remember correctly. That was um, that was on purpose. One of the things I like about this, it's just got such a like a low end groove to it, and the during the verse, the guitars kind of bounces. I don't know, almost like left or right or back and forth, and it's just a a, a killer groove. It's some. And, you read the lyrics. They're very dark lyrics. There's nothing cheesy about it. Pretty dark song to start off lines, which lines has some very, very positive moments to it as far as like songwriting and it being positive songs. It's this or gone for me is, you know, the best opening track on any album. And we've already done ours. And I think I ultimately went with gone, but I'm not going to argue with this one. Definitely on lines. You could tell that 
by Rich's playing, they had been playing with Jimmy Page, and this is um, this is one of those instances. Absolutely, absolutely, I would one hundred percent agree. I love this track as an opener. The only the only thing that I don't like about the track is like when you get into kind of the bridge section, there's like this almost like you're at a playground. I don't, I don't know how to explain. It. There's like almost these, like bells in the background. Yeah, and there's like all these voices and laughter and stuff. It did. So when you see it live, obviously you don't get that. Which which adds to the power of the song. That would be the one detractor from the album cut that I would say is we, we probably don't need all that background noise because the song can hold up on its own. All right. So we come out of the gate nice and hot with Midnight from the Inside Out. What do you follow up with? So then coming off that sludgy riff of Midnight from the Inside Out, it dies down. And then I could see it going right into an equally sludgy and nasty riff, which is Horsehead from By Your Side. It's song two. I see Ian's reaction. He's all over it. I just, it's one of the greatest riffs, you know, on an album that a lot of Black Crows fans don't give its proper due. Horsehead with that riff is, I mean, it's top 10. Sludgy, dirty, just sick riffs you're ever going to hear. I love just the heaviness of the song. I love the ladies in the background and everything they bring to the table. There, there's a lot of dark lyrics, but lyrics with some depth on an album that you, you question a lot of the lyrics that Chris writes. This song brings to the table some, some pretty introspective stuff, uh, but you can't deny just the overall groove of the song with that heavy riff, the ladies in the background, Horsehead's got to be tracked too. One of the things that I really like on it is during the pre-course and the course, Gorman's drums, the the cymbals and stuff he's hitting, they're allowing it to echo a little bit and not, I guess, uh, allowing it to echo a little bit, not have a really clean sound, which I think is good paired with the heaviness and fuzzy guitar tone that Rich is going with. But uh, this is another, uh, just a great Rich riff. I have it as well. I don't have it at number two. I'll get to that whenever we can, but uh, I can't argue with this pick. And, yeah. and one of my favorite parts about the song is when you come out, like you, you come out of the chorus and you're ready to like shift back into the verse. And it's the Gorman part where it's like, like no matter what I'm doing, I have to stop and air drum that little part. <laughs> like it's just phenomenal. The transition out of that back into the verse section is just amazing. Yeah. I mean, it- Steve's drums on that entire record are recorded really nicely by Kevin Shirley, and he really is uh, a powerhouse on there. That's like Steve's album in terms of uh, how well he was drumming and how well it was captured on tape. The Horsehead was my second pick as well. So you and I are 100% in sync so far. <laughs> so let's see what your third track will bring. We're going to keep it going. Well, while we're down in the sludge, Ian, we got to move right into the next sludgy track. Track three is going to be Greasy Grass River. I just think it carries that same momentum uh, forward. Obviously, I love the later the later live tracks where they play out that intro a little bit. But when you come out of Horsehead, you go right into Greasy Grass River. It's kind of a similar tone. It's down in the sludge. It's swampy. Now, we don't get a lot of the ladies on the background vocals here, but you get more of the band background vocals, which gives them an opportunity to shine. Got Craig Ross here on the solo, so it's not oddly, but it's Craig Ross. And I just love, I love a song that's called Greasy Grass River. 
and the sound of it just fits with the title of the song it's the swampy dirty really like distorted kind of overdriven riff that just matches that idea of being in a greasy grass river <laughs> it is it is a is a great track i will tell you it did make my my list not in the third spot though yeah this is on mine as well so we're three for three with everybody craig ross does a great job on the solo uh, i think this is one of the standout tracks on lines even people that crap on lines all the time i think will tell you they like this song all right what's your song for so song four now like when greasy grass river ends it kind of comes to this like pulsating stop we're going to take a breath we'll put maybe a second of delay in there because we got to put our first single in here and now it's slot four we're going to go with by your side from by your side which is going to come in here i love the opening riff obviously this song was probably most notable for being played just chris and rich after the 9-11 it's kind of the birth of the brothers of a feather i love the groove of it i love how it you know you get that just a syncopated like the groove of the guitar along with the beat it makes it very it's got a pop sensibility but some heaviness to it and you you get the the like church choir ladies in the background uh that's just phenomenal i i love the actual by your side version better than some earlier versions i feel like the verses are more crisp i think they're more complicated again going back to chris's lyrics here you get you get some more depth again in a record that's got a lot of cheesy lyrics this one stands out as being pretty thought-provoking plus the groove then you get like the bridge part with rich's slide work which is uh it it just you can't help but feel it in your bones your head's bobbing and then you get the whole outro section if this were our imaginary oddly era record this would be the lead single for me in slot four by your side off of by your side and uh definitely a great tune and you mentioned rich's slide work which is something that kind of gets maybe bypassed a little bit when talking about the by your side record he lays a lot of slide work on it and the majority of it is is really fantastic stuff. Uh, I had by your side on on my list as well, but just in a different I, position. I did, I did too. I had it in a different position. I love the whole like you know the sonically the part when it's like you know when you feel your heart is breaking, when all your friends are are faking, when it's giving and no taking. I will be by your side. I just love how the band sounds in the background on that. You know, if it ever stops raining, is the counterpart to it. It was on band sessions lyrics a little bit different but i like either version the if it ever stops raining it's a little more raw than this one but i i feel like this is a fun song um it puts people in a good mood when you see them play it live the ladies like it i think it's an excellent choice for the first single and, and if you could take the rawness because i totally agree with you david if you could take the rawness of if it ever stops raining but change the verse section to be the by your side verse section, because the, you know, if it ever stops the rain, it's a little bit repetitive. It's kind of just, it says the same thing over and over and it doesn't really fit with the rest of the song where I think they did a good job of, of, you know, the evolution of the song with the, with the chorus lyrics that they came up with, but it, but then, of course, they made it like super polished and sharp and all that sort of thing. So if you could get that rawness of if, 
of if it ever stops raining with the actual song structure up by your side that would be the perfect version i would uh, i would agree with that uh amalgamation of the two versions that's uh that would be that would be the ultimate version you're absolutely correct all right so since we're dealing with kind of like a vinyl setup here yep you come up to your what would be the last track of side one what are you closing out the first side with all right so in my book both of these records have closing ability song i'm gonna go lay it all on me as a closing track of side one Lay It All On Me, is it starts out slow. It's a nice little ballad. You got Rich on the piano. You got Don Was playing bass. The outro, the last, you know, minute and a half where they really, you know, just open it up and go into that groove and that jam. You know, it's in my top five pieces of music that the Black Crows have put out there on there. And I, I just love the big sort of cinematic end that it brings to Lions. Uh, but for this case, uh, Lay It All On Me actually is going to close my first side of our imaginary Audley record. So you and I are five for five right now. I think this is an amazing song. I really do. I did not know until recently that was Rich playing the piano, but he, he does a great job on it. I love how the harmony between Chris and Rich's vocals and how Chris's, I mean, uh, Rich's vocals are just a nanosecond behind Chris's. I think the chorus is great. The outro is amazing. And when they do this live, I really enjoy it, especially with Ford. But the other guitar players that have played it have done a great job on it. I think it's one of their better closing songs that they have, and they have some good ones for sure. So uh, I can't argue with that. So I've got that on mine as well. So you and I are five for five. I'm going to have to uh, upset the group here and uh, tell you that this at the last minute didn't make the cut for me because I always see it as a closer. And there was one other tune that I had to put in its uh, put in its spot, but you know I didn't consider it for a side closer, and that re- it really does work in that capacity. And it is a beautiful song. I've always thought this is one of the most underrated songs in their catalog. So then we kind of have to find a uh, another opening for your side two. What'd you go with? To start there. So I'm opening side two with the second single that's going to come off this imaginary record. We're opening it with. The most popular song that wasn't very popular, as Rich or as Chris himself has mentioned in several concerts, we're opening side two with soul singing. 
Soul Singer is one of the most unique songs they have in the catalog. It's got such an interesting groove. You know, we got an open F with a steel guitar. It's got just a unique sound. The way that the uh, the riff ascends and then descends in in the chorus part. It's just so interesting. But I, I remember going back to when I went to Memphis in May. I had not heard this record at all. It had not come out. When they pulled out that song, Soul Singing, and I'm like, there is no way this is not a hit. This has got to be a radio hit. It, it has all the makings of everything you would want in a song that would just appeal to the masses. It's just got a great groove. It's got a great riff. The sound of it is just dang near perfect. So I'm opening side two with the uh, second single from our Oddly Era album, Soul Singing. I think it was possibly their last single that ever got significant airplay. One of the things that I like about it is if you're a casual fan or if you're hardcore like us or you bring your wife to the show, everybody's going to like this. It's a feel-good song. It's fun. I often think Chris, when at times, can really write really happy music whether it's like some of the stuff on his first solo album on this one, there's some, you know, some songs later on that, that are very positive too, but the band always seems to have fun playing this. Uh, it's one of the riches, more unique, I guess, if you want to call that a riff, we've talked at length on here about when Mark was in the band, the jam that they did was, was just uh, phenomenal there's no way this isn't a single, especially like when they're playing in the studio, they got to be like, this is our, this should be our lead single. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm, I'm surprised they dropped that jam after Mark left. I, I really thought that of all the things that Mark contributed to the songs he didn't originally play on soul singing was the most fruitful. Is it on your list? Oh, absolutely. Okay. All right. So we're right now we're five for six. All right. What's song number seven, Jason? All right, so now is where we're going to probably get a little funky. Uh, for me, when I'm looking at what the next song is, I've got Soul Singing coming outside one. I want to get a little dirty again. For me, the next dirtiest song that I have available is Awful Lions. It's Cypress Tree. Uh, I'm going to go song two on side two. It's Cypress Tree. I love the chromatic riff. I love the strings that come in there. You know, you get Pastor Chris is in there and he's like, glory, hallelujah. And I just the the powerfulness of the song. There's a lot of lyrics in there that are pretty deep that that are all about, like, if you're going to come at me, I'm going to give you everything you want. The groove of it is awesome. The guitar tone on line. So, like, I just want to pause me and talk about that. So there's a lot of records out there with guitarists where you're going. That is their signature tone. And it's a unique tone to them. You talk about whether it's Angus on ACDC or like Eddie Van Halen, all these sort of things. And Rich's tone is super unique and it's very identifiable. But then on Lions, like he has this whole different tone. That's not the same. Like you don't find it on Three Snakes. You don't find it on Amorica. You don't find it on those early records. And then once Lions, that era is done, he, he doesn't really ever do it again. It's this super unique lion's tone, this sort of, this distorted, like bright, but dirty tone. I was going to call it heavy, but bright. 
Yeah, heavy but bright, and it's super unique. I've never heard it anywhere else. Cypress Tree is a super example of where he plays that tone in like the verse structure, and then when he goes in the chorus, it's just like, and he just hits it so heavy. And then and then you're filling that in with like strings and add on the organ, and it's just it's this beautiful darkness that you can't explain to anybody except for like listen to this and tell me what you think. So. That's why I'm going Cypress Tree next. I want to get a little heavy, and we're going Cypress Tree. I have that on mine as well. This is probably my favorite song that when they play it the, of the Mark Ford era when they would play it. I love the little leads he has, but the song on the actual album is is really good. I'm like you. I love that slow kind of intro. You got like a little bit of a of a clean tone with a dirty back tone. The verses to me are in the, the melody that's used in the verses is what sets the song apart. Like you said, it's sludgy, it's dirty, it's a uh, it's a really loud rocker. Yeah, it made my cut too. I love this song. I always did. I, I felt it unfairly got compared to "No Speak, No Slave." A lot of people said that they they kind of ran parallel to each other. I, I can see that, but not to the extent that that some folks really made it out to be. I think Cypress Tree more than stands on its own as as a fine track in their catalog. And what would be the next track that you had following that one? All right, so if you're keeping score at home, you can see I'm five to two lions to buy your side, which gives you a tip of the hat of which record I prefer. <laughs> but I'm going to dip back into the buy your side, and this is where I lose my credibility card from ever appearing on State of Morica or any other affiliated things again, because I got to tell you, my favorite song on Buy Your Side is my next song. It's time to get a little funky. It's time for the pastor Chris to come out and preach. It's time for him to, to get crazy. We're going to go tell the congregation David's all out. about what's going on right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, We're giving Jason. you a refund on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. But listen, this song, it, it's all about the, the, the funkiness, it, it's a groove. This is, this is an earworm that gets caught in my head. The chorus part by itself, the, the exchange between Chris and the ladies, when, when he's like, you know, he says his part, they say their part, they go back, and then they, they lift it up and they go on the bridge. Ed's organ work on this song, how he accentuates the different parts, and he would be like, he, he like brings it up high, and it, it leads Chris right into his preacher mode. And then the ladies start preaching, and he's doing his fills behind there. The Ed Harsh organ work on this track is phenomenal. From a lyrical standpoint, again, I know not everyone's going to relate with me, but when he start with especially towards the bridge, when you get to the bridge and the end verse parts, when, when he's really calling out, like, who is it that you listen to? And, and gets into pure preacher Chris with all the energy, the staccato kind of uh, groove that comes with it. I can't help but to dance all over the place when the song comes on. I have to give props to go tell the congregation. Sorry. <laughs> hey, David, why don't you, why don't you take I, a swing at this one? I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, I'm going to. I'm going to say that I do, I do enjoy the track definitely more so than David, but you know, that's not saying much, but uh, I always did like it. There's, there's a lot of elements in it that, that saved the song for me. Uh, I'm not saying it's the, the, the end all be all of tracks in their catalog, 
but I always like the way Rich came into the solo on this one. It's it's an odd way of starting a solo, but I've always liked that. You're right about Ed's organ work. Uh, it really is phenomenal on this one. And uh, the riff itself, I just, I always just kind of liked. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, uh, you know, good old uh, Southern rave up, in my opinion, which I'm surprised that uh, the Southern boy here doesn't like it. <laughs> He's not down. My, my problem with it is, the go tell the congregation part with the singers and everything and how they say it so many times. That's what gets on my nerves the most about it. I could understand that. And that probably is the thing that detracts the most from the song for me, but there's enough other things in the song that kind of save it for me. You can't polish a turd, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my mother used to tell me before uh, I was getting dressed to go to a function. But uh, Jason, what do you follow yes. up? Go tell the congregation with. So after I have danced around my kitchen, I've worked up a full on preacher sweat. I'm, I have said, everything is everything. Wiped the sweat from my brow and I need to calm down because I got to get ready for the end track. I need a little bridge to calm me down. This is where we're going to go with losing my mind. And this song perplexes me because I love it. It's got its pros. It's got its cons. The pros of it is very hooky. The verse, the chorus, all of it gets stuck in my head. I love, I love the overall mellow groove of it. I love the, uh, again, the lyrics. I think Chris's vocal delivery on this song is, is one of the best that's on the record. There, there is a lot of acoustic on here. There's a good bass line. Again, you get a lot of good organ going on. Strings in here as well to fill out the sound. If I had my druthers, I would trade out the album version that's on Lions and take the alternate mix. The most specific reason why uh, is not only because it gives you a little harder, a little more guitar forward mix, but it also doesn't cut out like the album version fades on Chris's vocal, which drives me crazy. So uh, on my, you know, on my iPod or on my phone, you know, in my album, it, it's the alternative mix that I have in there because, you know, it, it gives you another almost a whole minute of them finishing the song and it doesn't fade out. The other detractor from it is there is this drum loop that's under there, which if you have Steve Gorman, one of the best drummers in the world, you probably don't need this drum loop groove, but they put it in there and he plays over it. Um, but overall, when I'm trying to just settle down, fall into a groove, get into a, a, a state where I'm ready to, to gear it back up. I, I love losing your mind because the chorus is very catchy. And I really just, I really enjoy Chris's vocal performance on that song. I think he sings the hell out of that song. This was the last one that I cut and I, I cut it for a reason, just because uh, I thought I had too many songs that were kind of in that more mellow vein. This one, I remember the first time I listened to it, I bought the CD and uh, I was in I was in graduate school and I remember laying in my bed that night with like my headphones on and sonically, it's just it's got so much ear candy to it. I actually like the little drum loop. I just uh, loop. I think it's just a, a, a different it's something different. It's some of Chris's most straight ahead lyrics that he's ever written. There is no ambiguity about this song. You love the person. You hate the person. You just come to the conclusion, I'm going to have to stay with them. But to me, I love the heaviness sonically of the chorus. And, yeah. and, and Chris is singing with a, 
a little bit of a cleaner tone in his voice, but with a lot of melody. It's only been played, I think, like once or twice. Mm. I think they played it. Remember, you used to buy the crows, get the shows, that yeah. thing that came with lines. I think I had that at one point with this on there. It's only been played like maybe one or two times. But, uh, man, if we did like top five underrated Black Crow songs, it's on there for me. I know some of the people on the message boards are going to rip me for that. But like I said, don't don't tell me what I'm supposed to like and not like. This song is very good. Lines, one of the reasons I like lines so much, I was going through a really tough time in my life at that point. And I would lay in bed at night and listen to this album over and over again. So songs like Losing My Mind, No Use Lying, I like. Man, that is a great, it's a killer riff. Uh, and lay it all on me and miracle to me kind of the more mellow more emotional stuff really kind of resonated with me and so i'm really glad you picked this because it should have been in mine but i had to cut it that was the last one i cut yeah i tell you i'm a very big fan of this song and it's cool that you mentioned the alternate mix jason that actually came from a compilation cd that v2 records put out in advance of the album and someone sent it to me at the time and i i didn't know why and then i stumbled on the fact that it was a the alternate version, which, as you mentioned, is longer at the end, which is cool. But it also, it brings down the acoustic and brings up the electric part a bit, too, which I think ultimately helps the song. But definitely a great song. Much like David, uh, I did cut this one at the last minute, but uh, always a big appreciator of this song. That being said, how do you finish out this side, too? Well, I think there's no doubt, right? There's only one way to finish it out. It's a closing song from By Your Side. This song... Uh, it's a powerhouse song. Uh, it's a pillar of the record. It's a pillar of their sets. It's a high energy song. It's one of the best rock songs they ever wrote. We're finishing this thing off with virtue and vice. <laughs> There, there's a lot of history with this song that goes back uh, back in the days. This was a very difficult song for them to write. They struggled a lot with the verse uh, setups. But when they came and they landed on it, uh, it, it, their power 
the energy, the way that they come into the song and just believe it with everything they have. You talk about when Chris sings a vocal that he's really behind. It's not a cheesy vocal. It's not a throwaway vocal. It's it's something he's really powerful behind. And it gives you this big, powerful build. It brings you to this energy that's super high. And then it lays you down real nice at the end, which is why it makes a perfect closer to the fact that, like, the last note you hear when you're done is just Ed with a little key fill on his piano. And it just sends you off feeling really good. It definitely does. And that, that piano part gives me very close to the same feeling I have when hearing Descending. I, I regard it as you know the companion piece to that as far as showcasing Ed's uh, piano playing. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's a no-brainer to choose this as a closer. Interestingly enough, the song also does work as an opener. On the uh, 06 tour, when I saw them, they opened the show with it, and it worked equally as well then. But I, I think this is one of the greatest songs in their catalog and, and perhaps doesn't get the attention it deserves at times. Yeah, I had it as a closer as well. So we're 70% on unanimous songs, which made you didn't have go tell the congregation, which I didn't. I did. Our our oddballs were go tell the congregation, losing my mind, and lay it all on me. Now you and I both had lay it all on me on there. So um I think this song should have would have fit better on three snakes, really the, with the subject matter and just kind of the, the the instrumentation on it. I love the like the the pre-chorus i feel so alive today that's all i wanted to say i hope that it stays this way if not i will be okay it's the way he sings it it's a little bit of a different register than we normally get from chris it's it's riff heavy it's got the great ed part it's one of the songs if you ask me along with kind of the consensus if you could describe the black crows in three songs it's thorn in my pride wiser time my morning song if you extended it out to five songs this song's in the running for that Definitely, definitely a great tune. So we did make a little uh, addition to this uh, project here, and we were going to add a Japanese bonus track for the uh, for that version of the album. So, uh, Jason, what was your pick for the uh, bonus track? Now, mind you, it, it uh, was encouraged to come from the uh, B-sides of, of the era. So Correct, yeah. So I cheated a little bit on this because... If I were to give you my top one, it's already been discussed. If you go back to the episode with the Perfect Double Side guys, you're going to hear a, a nice discussion about Peace Anyway, um, which is a phenomenal B-side. It's probably one of their best B-sides ever. There's a nod in there maybe to Grows a Rose, although the production value on that might have been a little better. That could have pushed it over the edge. So I tried to pick one that hasn't been mentioned a lot, but I truly, really love and I really get into, and I went with It Must Be Over mm. from the buyer side sessions. This was a B-side to Kicking My Heart Around. Uh, it's got a nice repetitive little cyclical groove. You get a little bit of Preacher Chris in there. But I, I love like the mixture of the heaviness while it's also sort of this sort of syncopated groove that you can get into. And you can kind of like if, once you hear it once, you kind of know the groove. And then you get this big bombastic vocal from Chris, from the ladies in the background. Um, the chorus is, is just huge. And uh, I, I really love it. it. It really gets my head bobbing. 
Um, it's one of my favorite tracks. So I wanted to just throw on the table to make sure it's discussed the phenomenal track. It must be over from the buyer side sessions. I cannot argue with this at all. I had four tracks to choose from all of them. I like equally. Um, so I cannot go, cannot go wrong with this one. It's another one that has a different feel to it. And Chris singing a little bit of a different voice, you know, he kind of goes a little bit higher than he normally does on, on the course. I've often said, you know, and it, you take Go Tell Congregation, Heavy, and Diamond Ring off of By Your Side, and you start putting in some of these phenomenal B-sides that they have. You have a totally different album. Yeah, I would 100% agree. Actually, I used to listen to the album and the B-sides like all together at the time, and I would always make the mistake that I thought that this song was on the album. So, I mean, but I've always been a big fan of this song. I think it's great. There's a lot of great elements to it. Not my pick for the bonus track, but I uh, definitely a very good pick. So, David... Why don't we get uh, your track list, your running order? Yeah, going it's going to be quick because, like I said, 7 out of 10. Midnight from the Inside Out, amazing opening track. The false start just sets the tone for the song, heavy and deep. Number two, I went with Soul Singing. I'm a big fan of kicking stuff off uh, high energy, uh, and this is a sing-along song. I Honestly, it's arena rock ready. Now, number three, I'm always a big fan of something slow or mellow, so I'm going to go with Lay It All On Me on that. All right, here's one of the ones that's a stick out and I'm going to get yelled at on the message boards. I don't like the lyrics, but musically, I love it. And that stops kicking my heart around. Uh, it just sounds like a fast moving train. You're doing everything you can to hold on to it. I love the slide on it, uh, but I, the lyrics are what does it in for most people. I think if different lyrics, it would be one that people really enjoy. But for the sake of the fact that the, the music sounds so good, I'm leaving that. Uh, the next song would be Cypress Tree. Uh, I agree with every, every, what everybody says. It's just a, a, a great tune. And then I'm going to go with By Your Side, as we've already discussed. And I'm getting to the sludge part, Greasy Grass River and Horsehead. I put those back to back. And then before we close it out on something serious, I kind of want something a little more lighthearted, but a, a little more uh, kind of a uh, love, love going awry. I love Only a Fool. I think it's so good. I just, I really enjoy it. It, it kind of makes me want to dance a little bit. It's more of a soul song than probably just about anything that they've done. I kind of wish they would go to this vibe a little more often. I think Chris's voice is set for it. They love, you know, adding a little horns hearing here and there. You, uh, the backup singers sing great on it. You know, if I were doing this, this would be my second single. My first single would be soul singing. This would be my second single to get the girls a little more into it. And then closing out, you have to go with virtue and vice. Uh, there's really no other choice. So we were seven out of 10, the three of us. And Jason, you and I were eight out of 10. To close it out, I got to go with Grows or Rose. You're right. The production value on it's a little it's a little muddied. But as Steve Gorman told us, this was his argument for the lead single. I love that chorus. I just think it sounds so good. Gorman sounds really, really good on this song uh, i don't know why it hasn't made its way into the rotation more than it has it's beyond me yeah that's my that's my uh that's my running order of the track and i i find it very interesting that we had so much in common which leads you to believe that that some of the material is lacking on on, on those albums but i've always said on both lines and by your side there's two or three tracks on each one you remove put those b-sides in and we're cooking with gas yeah, and I know Ian's got to got to talk about his too. But in my notes here, I've got two little dots that I put by like the songs that I seriously considered mm -hmm. 
and it's kicking my heart around. It's only a fool, only a fool. The only reason I love the little opening lick in that. I love the groove. That's very much like by your side with that little, that, that syncopated groove that gets your head bobbing. The only reason why I didn't pick that is I do like the earlier versions of that song better. That's, that's for a separate, maybe Patreon discussion, but I did mark those songs as like, they, they were, they were in the mix to, to, so we're on the same page with those two. Well, I suppose I should uh, run down mine real quick. So on my, my choices, again, very similar to you gentlemen. And I think that's a great thing. I started with midnight from the inside out. And I went, I went directly into Horsehead, like you, Jason. But then from there, I, I kind of, I follow David's school of thought where you take it down in the third uh, slot there. So I went with uh, by your side there into only a fool which as we were just discussing, that's a song that initially when the album came out, I wasn't as big a fan of it. I, I grew to like it later. And I, it's, I think it's because as David has mentioned many times, Chris is ripe for doing a R and B soul kind of record. And that really is a showcase for that talent, that song. Uh, I followed that up with greasy grass river. Then I went into soul singing and then I think this is the one track that I have that nobody else has. And it's, it kind of stays with the, the way it is on the original lions album. I went into miracle to me, always loved that song. I'd advocate for that till the cows come home. The way, the way he too. sings, tell me why have you been crying? That's yeah. one of the more emotional deliveries of, of, that Chris does. And that, yeah, I, that was one of my honorable mentions from lions too. I got a little dot by that song. I debated it. You're right. And Ed adds some really nice, key work in that that's that's really crucial to the song so uh i kept that intact with following right at the end of soul singing then i went into cypress tree and then oh no i actually have another song that you guys didn't have from cypress tree i go into welcome to the good times which i tremendous tremendous fan of this song i think i've turned david on it slightly yeah yeah but um i always thought that this song sounded like a song by the band and I'm a big fan of the band, so kind of. But I really like the horns on this. I actually read an interview with Chris uh, of the of the time, where he said that the horn parts on that he he hummed to the person doing the arrangements, and and that's how they kind of came up with the horn parts. And I think it's such a great horn part. I really like on the 0506 tour when Mark started playing this song. Mark, there's a the part that Mark plays live is buried in the mix on the studio version and mark must ear must have picked that up and he brings it higher in the mix and it's really kind of cool juxtaposition to rich's main riff so i had that there and then of course into virtue and vice as the closer because how could you not yeah welcome to the good times it always reminds me of walking around the french quarter in new orleans it sounds like something you could you could hear you could hear on the street corner there or in one of the jazz clubs Although my experience with New Orleans is limited, I could I could see that now. And then I'm with you, David, on the bonus track. I went with Rose and Rose simply because when Steve started telling us about that, I kind of went back and revisited the track and got a whole new appreciation for it. So I, I use that as my uh, my bonus track for sure. And, and overall, I mean, you think about as much flack from the Black Crows community as By Your Side gets. There's four beat sides off that record that are probably four of the best songs they've ever written that for one reason or another, I don't know why they put them on the record. When you're talking about it, it must be over. 
Uh, David, you mentioned you don't have to go, which spawned off of a song called Pastoral, which once upon a time, like right now, like sort of the white whale of songs that everybody wants to hear in a full production, like made it right is Exit. But for a long time, it was Pastoral. Pastoral was this song that was played. It was a lot of times played in the middle of my morning song. It, it would come out in these jams. And, and that's what evolved into You Don't Have to Go, which which I would rather hear a full-fledged developed version of Pastoral for sure, but You Don't Have to Go is a great song. So you got It Must Be Over, You Don't Have to Go, you've got Grows a Rose, you got Peace Anyway, and from my book, you got When the Night Comes Falling, it's a Bob Dylan cover. There's a version out there that has no horns, it's very guitar-heavy, that's, that's amazing. And then you have Smile, which is a, a nice little, you know, mellow groover. I mean... Those six songs are probably the, you know, in the pantheon of Crow's vault material, some of the best songs they've ever written. And that's those never even sniffed the record. I uh, smile. The version where Rich sings more of it. I don't like as much. The version where Chris does more of the singing. I prefer, but yeah, they've got, it's so frustrating. They're sitting on gold. They really are. They're just sitting on it and they're not doing anything with it, which is very frustrating. Because uh, there's a lot of people that would pay good money to get properly mastered versions of all those songs. You, you're looking literally at a double album that would be on par with anything, everything from Exit, Miserable, Pastoral, these B-sides, uh, Last Time Again. It, it, they, they're just sitting on a vault. I wish they would listen to us and release it, but they're probably not. I know we've uh, we've been pushing and pushing for that the entire time we've been doing this podcast and haven't gotten like a sniff you, yet. Like you always say, David, we're just trying to give them our money. Man, we're 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 sitting here with hundred dollar bills in our hands. Go, guys, come get it! But they got socks. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, those socks really stick in your craw. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to buy socks. Like nobody's going to see my black crow socks if I wear them. Like I won't. I want exit. You know, it, it was really interesting. I, I I meant to mention this to Johnny, but we were when we were had lunch in New Orleans. We were five blocks from Lenoir's old studio where they recorded Exit. The last time I was in New Orleans, I actually went and took a picture of it and I sent it to Steve, and he instantly knew what it was. If you if you ever want to go see it, it's on the corner of Esplanade and Royale Street uh, on the border of the French Quarter. But think about what they recorded in that session. And you know, exit amongst a lot of people is a top five crow song. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's no denying that that's a song that needs to be released from the vault at some point properly. But Jason, we do appreciate you joining us. I think we had a lot of fun here, and I'm glad to see we were so close to being entirely on the same page. I think that's great. And thanks As for you know, thanks for being on Patreon. Yeah, you're welcome. And, and listen, guys, listen, everyone listening, I'm telling you. Get on Patreon, support these guys. These guys are putting out material that is amazing. All the things you wish you could get from the Crows, the State of Market guys are helping you out. Get on Patreon, join our little community. It's phenomenal. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is uh, all ours, sir. And uh, as you know, we always let our guests pick the playout song. And I'm sure you've been, you know that because you're a regular listener. So what do you got in mind? So here's my struggle. I struggled with two sides of a coin. On one side, you've already mentioned the age-old question for a lot of Crows fans for this era of the oddly records was what would happen if Mark Ford got a hold of those? 
right? So on one hand, I was fully prepared to be like, we got to hear soul singing and, you know, particularly, you know, from like that 0506 uh, era so that we could hear what Mark Ford can do with a jam. But then one of our patrons posted something and I wanted to give him a shout out, but I looked it up and I couldn't find it. So I don't know who posted it. I'm sorry, dude. I wish I could give you a shout out. But then he posted sold out live from 99. This was the Easter day show in Atlanta. My morning song, which has oddly on it. So if you want to hear what would Mark Ford do with an oddly area song, era song, you got to go with soul singing from you know 0506 tour if you want to hear what oddly does with a crow's staple and be amazed by it you got to go with my morning song from the sold out live tour so i'm going to throw those out there and let you guys decide what you want to do with it oh man it's it's no contest we're going to have to go with both we're going to make a an exception Amen. here <laughs> so so when you look at your like how much time is left and it's like 25 minutes now you know why Yes, exactly. You know, we've slapped a couple of jams on the end there, you know. <laughs> well, Jason, really appreciate you joining us, man. It was a lot of fun. And uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And we will see you next time. Stay tall, everybody.
Find your rhythm falls out of time. 